All right. We're here, Josh Horowitz and Colin Altavote. We're going to preview the coaching clinic. Welcome to uh, Snowmageddon 2022. How, how stocked up are you, Josh, in case you get stuck in for a couple of days? Yeah, I, I went to the store today to make sure I had get? some stuff. Uh, one, just a... That's not enough. How loaf, many cartons loaf, of eggs? Or a loaf of bagels. What? How many cartons of eggs did you get? Zero. How many gallons of milk did you get? <laughs> Zero. Oh, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. <laughs> you're talking. You're talking to someone who eats a very specific diet of food. So, well, good luck, sir. Uh, so the clinic is coming up on Friday. Hopefully, people will be able to go because we are getting uh, we're getting a lot of snow. And uh, I wanted to preview the things I'm going to talk about. I am giving three different uh, topics. One is just kind of our overall year-round training program. So that's a little more geared toward cross country. And then uh, specifically the, the training that we've done, and I really get into the stuff from last year. Um, now we're not gonna go through every single point. These are three hour long presentations. So three presentations of 60 minutes. We'll probably get through each of them about 10 or 15 here. And uh, so the, the bulk of the information you can get at the clinic. So shout out, come find me at the clinic. I got one at 810, one at 1045 and one at two something. Um, we're going to go through those. I'm going to share my screen. And Josh is in a unique position because he coaches at another school. So I coach at Carmel. I coach the boys at Carmel. Josh coaches the boys at Bloomington South. But you ran for Carmel. And we just talked about this. I was your coach when you were in high school. And you are now the age that I was when I was your coach. So that's it's right. Coming, it's coming full yeah, circle. Yeah, it's crazy to to think that. You were my age that I am right now when you coached me. One point, I was your age. Okay, I'm sharing my screen. And I'm going to start with the, I call this the year-round program. And I'm going to pull that up. So, kind of go through this. The, the the main overall thing I think that I, that I want to put across is that, you know, we have a system, we have a good training system. And this has been the point of this first one is 10 years now, 10 cross country seasons and 10 track seasons, minus the one that got canceled. Cause we started this in a track season of the, the spring of the winter and the spring of 2012. And what are the things that I've, learn what are the adjustments that we've made and certainly the way we do things now looks different than the way we would have done when you were in high school in 2012 and then you know your senior year of 2013 in cross country and the first thing i have is a picture of a bunch of kids running and my main responsibility as the coach is to make sure that all of the kids in our program have a good experience regardless of their ability level, and even to an extent, regardless of their commitment, the best kids on our team, Cole Matisson and Charlie Schumann, both finished in the top 10 this year at the state meet in cross country. They clearly have a higher level of commitment than most or all of the other kids on our team. A lot of the kids are perfectly content coming to practice when we have official practice, doing the stuff that we're doing and that we ask them to do at practice, which is a lower amount for kids that aren't there all the time running the races and then, you know, outside of practice are probably not doing a lot. We want to make sure that all of the kids have a good experience. And I 
when they come to run as freshmen, you know, that's a four year experience where I am going to be the key adult in the building in their lives for, for four years. And I say this at every parent meeting, I take that responsibility really, really seriously. And you can see from this picture, it's audio medium for the podcast, but there's a ton of dudes on our team. One of the questions is, are, are we a Pavo team? And the answer is yes. But the Pavo training system, I, I was Rick Weinheimer's assistant as a, as a college kid, a volunteer assistant at Columbus North from 2007 to 2009. And I coached in the summer and in the fall. And then uh, in the spring, I, I ran on my own college, college's track team or tried to, I, I, I got hurt and sick. Um, so I didn't get to run many races. And so I was very familiar with that system. The way that Coach Weinheimer ran the system in 2007 was different than in 1997 or in 1987, maybe when they would have started it. The way, the things that he did in 2007 were not identical to the way he did things in 2009. So things change over time. It's not totally inflexible. You've got to find, this is the main this is the main point. This is my thesis statement of all three of these presentations, which is you've got to find the right things for your kids to do individually. However, I think that the biggest advantage that we've had, and I've now been the coach for 10, I've coached at Carmel for over 10 years, but I've been the one writing the training and the vision of the, of the specifics of the program in terms of what we're doing from day to day for the last 10 years. There's got to be a foundation to that. You can't just have the kids coming and doing whatever they want. Um, and so, you know, there's certain foundational aspects of Pavo, the, the PPMs, the interval sessions, things like that, that, that we certainly adhere to. Right. When, whenever someone asked me, you know, did, does, did or does Carmel do Pavo? I kind of give the same answer. You said it's like, yes, but it is a little bit of a modified version where, it might not be as high mileage, quote unquote, as people might think when you think of, you know, full Pavo. Well, and I think too, you know, this is the, this, the Pavo system, you know, from Marshall Sellers from the late 60s and into the 70s and, and 80s and, and what, what Columbus North might have been doing in the 80s and 90s. You have to adjust that because kids just aren't as active from a young age as they were. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But kids that were born, you know, our, our best kid is a junior. He just turned 17 years old. He was born in, in January of 2005. He had a different, no, he had a more, he has, he has a, a slightly different background. They lived in China and, and his parents were um, involved in the in missions and things like that. But in general, kids born in 2005 had a much different childhood than 1985. I was born in 1987, which was also different from my dad, who was born in 1954. And so, you know, they could run a lot more back then because kids were more active. They had a lot more play miles on their legs. You've got to coach. You've got to coach the kids that you have on your team. Can't just coach the way that you might have done with a team earlier. You've got to find these things out. But at the same time, a big reason for our success in cross country and in track and field over the last over the last 10 years, but certainly over the last 
five or six is the consistency and the continuity that we have, that there are certain foundational aspects that, that we do. Uh, go through the history of it. I don't know if that's great for the podcast. The, the main thing for our program is that our, our main workout in the, in the off season and in the early season before we get to our intervals, which is the PPM, uh, uh, maybe some synonyms for a PPM. PPM stands for pace per mile, but I actually don't even know that the boys in our team, you knew that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't know that all the boys in our team know what it is. They just think, well, the PPM is we go out and we run hard. It is a continuous timed hard run that afterwards we record. So all the boys in the team, when they're done, we did this yesterday. Oh my gosh, it was just yesterday. It was like forever ago. Um, typically, we like to do it on on Thursday, but we did it to because of you know the ice apocalypse coming. Adjusting up. to weather. Right. Smart. A good coach needs to be able to make adjustments. So just because Marshall Sellers in 1968 said the long PPM is on Thursday, well, we're going to need to switch that. that. That's a plan A. This is a plan B week. Um, and so it's continuous hard run that the first time the boys do this, when they're freshmen in July of their freshman year, it's two, eventually can build up to, to much longer than that. And so the key is it exceeds it exceeds the race time and it maximizes your oxygen delivery system, which for distance running is almost the whole thing. The longer the race, the more it's a, about aerobic capacity. The shorter the race, the more it's about anaerobic capacity. But even if the PPM is a good foundational aspect for our boys that ran in the four by eight. Last year, the four boys that ran in the four by eight all did PPMs of varying distances. I think the the main power to this is that oftentimes if you look through the literature, um, you know, the Jack Daniels, literature, that kind of thing, the, the tempo run, which is essentially the same thing, right? A tempo run is a synonym for a PPM, a tempo run, a threshold run. But they'll say, you might get paces for it. I want you to be between 540 and 550. We don't give the boys times. And often it says comfortably hard. I think too often we, we try to coach high school kids or adolescents, and we just take what's working for the professional runners, the people that won the genetic lottery and are super committed to it and highly motivated, right? So division one professional level runners, Olympians, Olympic trial qualifiers, but a 25-year-old man and a 14-year-old and a boy aren't the same thing. And we need to teach our 14, 15, 16, we need to teach our adolescents how to run hard. So comfortably hard just isn't, gonna, isn't going to work in a race that the main limiting factor is how uncomfortable can you be? How hard can you push yourself? And I think that's, that's the main benefit. And you ran on the team, right? Um, yep. especially your junior and senior year, that that's the main thing is that our, they're, they're able to be uncomfortable. And that, that is the primary aspect of the sport is yeah. how hard can you run when it really doesn't feel good? Yeah. Cause at the, at the end of a 5k, it doesn't feel comfortable. So learning how to run uncomfortably hard in practice for you, you said exceeding race time. I just wanted to clarify that if your race is 16 minutes or whatever, and a six mile PPM is 34, 35 minutes. You're running hard for a lot longer practicing running uncomfortably hard 
um, and it makes makes you better for that last part of a 5K or whatever right. race you run. And I think too, and, and we'll get into this a lot more at the actual session, Mike, what gets reported from certain teams about certain teams and certainly people probably think certain things about the Carmel program or they'll look at, you know, you just look at whatever the highest number is and whatever the hardest workout is. And you think that's what every kid on the team does. We do have kids on our team that run an eight mile PPM. Connor Heggie, Charlie Schumann run an eight mile PPM. But when they were freshmen, well, they don't, first of all, they don't do that every week. So they just did theirs on Tuesday. The first one we've done, they did a five. They'll eventually build up to an eight over the course of six to eight weeks. But when they were freshmen, they did a two because that's what the freshmen do, that it takes a while to build that up. And that, you know, the most any of our boys run is 60 miles a week, which is a good amount of volume. Is it, is it high mileage? Well, yes, in the, in the sense of overall, if you take the average high school kid, certainly 60 is high. But there are a lot of programs and a lot of kids that run a lot more than 60 miles in a week. Um, but they've built up to that over the course of a long time. I keep track of all that. And so one of the main, you would know this too from being on the team, this, this would have been a big thing between your junior and your senior year when you got a lot better, was I can go back and say, okay, hey, February 1st, what was your time? Okay, I'm writing it down. Hey, good job. By the way, last year we ran one on February 2nd and you actually ran a mile farther this year and you ran it at a faster pace. And that's, that's the, the current generation was the generation Z maybe, um, you're right. They, we want, they want tangible things. The, it, they've had access to as much information as they want as quickly as they want their whole lives. And so it's nice to be able to see that. We wanna be able to chart progress. And so I keep, I keep track of all those things. Yeah, and so when you do, well, yeah, when you do workout, even I mean, you said maybe months or a year apart, but, you know, weeks apart, if three weeks later you ran a mile farther and you ran at five seconds faster per mile progress and kids are going to attach onto that. And right. That's, that. that is motivation. We want to be able to chart that progress. Um, nothing is going to motivate you like seeing it in right there in black and white numbers. Um, and actually when I keep track of this and I'll, I'll print them out, I'll, I'll email them to the guys too of like, okay, here's what we did this week, distance, uh, time, pace, and then the last column says last week, and it'll say, you know, five at 602 pace. And this week it was five at 557. And so I can, you know, okay, you ran farther, bold it. You ran faster pace, italicized. You did both, bold and italicized. And so how do we run faster? And the question, the answer to that is really, two things. We can run farther, we can run more volume, or we can run faster via workouts. And over the course of time, you've got to build up and do both. And so I think the, the, the main thing that for our program, and I don't know if this is different because I haven't, I coached under Rick Weinheimer, and then I coached with Brad Rosebrock, and I coached with Erhard Bell. But at all of those stops before I was the head coach, it was basically it was based off of the Columbus North model, which is not every kid's gonna do the same thing. And you have many different training levels and that's our thing is that there's a 35 training level and a 40 training level and a 45 and, and so on and so forth. We've got kind of what we would consider to be the max progression, but when I get into this too in the, in the, um, at the coach's clinic, it's like, 
well, okay, max for a, a senior in cross country is 60 and an eight mile PPM. And some boys, rare, we've had three boys over the last five or so years since I made this an option, ran a little more than 60 miles a week and did do a nine mile PPM. Um, but does every kid on the team, does every senior on the cross country team do that? No, of course not. There's a lot, there's a bunch of them that are just happy to be on the team. And they'll just, and there's a bunch of boys that just run at the 35 mile a week training level. And that, you know, it says what to do recovering on a Sunday. And they, they probably don't do that. And we want to give all of those kids an experience. I don't know that that's a great topic. What's the average kid on your team do? People want to know for this, especially for the successful teams. Well, what do your varsity kids do? How, how did you coach the kids to, to get to, to this level? Um, so I've got that kind of sample. And the main thing is you've got to earn that progression. You don't just move up from year to year because that's what most of the boys do, right? Right. Yeah. You can, and you can't just per se go from like, like say you didn't have um, a freshman cross country season. When you enter as a sophomore, you're not just going to start at 50. You'll, you'll probably, you'd be like a first year runner. Right. Right. So it's, it's like you're saying based on the individual, but you're, you're in a group of other people that are also in the same boat as you on where your running level is currently at. And that, that was a big thing for us this year was that, you know, we graduated most of our boys from the year before. And so a lot of our best guys this year were junior, they're juniors in high school, but because they maybe one of the kids had, had been a swimmer, so he hadn't had much of an off season. So he hasn't been able to progress through this. Another kid came in his freshman year and was hurt and hadn't been that they're more like sophomores. And, you know, we didn't just say, well, you're, you're the fourth best kid on the team and you're a junior. So it's, this is what our, our, our best kids do when they're juniors. They, they weren't ready for that. They've got to earn that progression. And it's not necessarily bad. It's it, that, that they haven't earned that progression, but we're, we're dealing with the reality of where they are and working with each of them individually to do that. Now, next year, it could, it, it could be different. I mean, I think next year, a lot of our kids that are juniors may be even at more than 55 miles in a week because I'm allowing them to do that now because they've been so consistent. Yeah, or earning the progression also helps avoid injury. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't go from being in the 35-mile group to being in the 55-mile group without getting to those next steps because then you're skipping a lot of steps that – probably end up with injuries or or whatever so right and ultimately what it really comes down to is that we're willing to each season we're willing to add about five extra minutes of running on average per day lengthen your long run by five minutes each season so maybe as a fresh you know as a freshman it's 55 and then 60 and then as a sophomore it's 65 and then 70 and then 70 and when you add all of that up slowly, slow progression over time, that's how you get to those, to those higher levels running faster. I mean, the main things for us would be, you know, the PPM best you can do is what we say, right? If we said, Hey, we're going to run and we're eventually as a freshman, you're eventually going to build up from July till September to five miles all out. I'm not going to tell a 14 year old, you're going to run five miles all out. Cause all out sounds like a sprint. The 400 is all out. It's five miles. The best you can do. We record that. And then, and then our interval sessions, uh, which are tend to be 400s at their goal pace, every kid on the team 
Our highest we've ever had is 162. I put 159 on the file, but then I looked it up the other day and it's actually 162 in 2017. Every kid based on his PPM gets a goal time and then he runs the 400 and he doesn't tell me his overall time. He tells me plus or minus his goal time. And the goal is to run zero, is to run that time as close to that time as you can every single time you do the 400 but you get faster because over the course of the season, you take less of a jog rest or you jog faster. And our boys have gotten really, really good at that. If you can watch us run one of these that like you can, you can see they're very focused throughout the whole workout and that by doing the jog rest, it keeps it all aerobic. And guess what? Cross country. That's all that matters. 3,200. That's pretty much all that matters. 1,600, 800. That's not our staple workout. Coach Altavo, I have a question. How do you yes. figure out how many CI 400s each athlete should do? That's a good question. So the, um, the time is, is from a formula um, that I have memorized at this point, but I, I have somewhere written down. Um, if I don't, then Coach Weinheimer can send it to me. Um, but the number is based on how long the PPM was. So you're, there's a low set and a high set. We do the low set first, then we do the high set later um you know at least two days apart but but maybe even as much as a week apart and so the the high set is half of the volume of your longest ppm so if your longest ppm was six miles half of that is three miles that's 12 400s then your high set is four lower than that and we break it up into sets of 400 so 12 is really three sets of four 400s and then your low set would be two sets of four or 400s. And so with that, it's, it's important to not be doing too many or too few, but also making sure the pace is correct based on how, how fast your PPM was. Right. And it, every year I feel like I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is so complicated. And, you know, we spend a couple practices before we do it, explaining it to them. And I think, oh man, we're going to go out here and it's going to be totally chaotic and nobody's going to know what they're doing like the, none of the new kids will know what they're doing the old kids obviously have figured it out and then every year it's pretty straightforward and they kind of you know there's some troubleshooting obviously and there's there's our coaches out there and they're reporting their times plus or minus and some of the kids just try to run by and not say anything we figure it out but it it works out pretty well the older kids then one thing we found out was that instead of doing four sets of a quarter mile each eventually we'll do instead of doing sets of four quarter miles we'll break it up into three third of a mile, but we wait until the tournament to do that. And we usually only, they got a big performance bump from that. And we usually only do it one time. This year, we didn't hardly do it with any of the kids because those guys were so young training age wise that they weren't really ready for it. You, you remember this oh, like it adaptation. Oh, we, we run, <laughs> we often run tired other than the, the big peak meets during the season. We're running, we're running tired a lot. Um, and we'll train through a lot of the meets and we would tell you guys, Hey, listen, guys, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. If you can run really tired in the Mick, you're going to run even better at the state meet when we pull back a little bit. We can kind of fly through the rest of this, but, um, I, I think this is really important. And I say it with the caveat of I am a distance coach. Distance running is all that I know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to coach the high jump. I, I can't coach the shot. I don't really know anything about the, the, the true sprints, the 100 and the 200. 
in those events, it's mainly about what you can do at a single explosive instant when you're fresh and your practices should reflect that. There's this quote that I use all the time. It's from Breaks of the Game, which is a basketball book. Um, shout out to obscure literature from the late 70s. And it says about the, the trailblazers in the 70s, this is Bill Walton's team. They practiced harder, remained in better shape, and they won, usually by putting out more effort precisely when they were the most tired. In the shot, in the long jump, it's the single explosive instant that you can do when fresh or mainly fresh. You should be doing that stuff in practice, practicing your form when you're fresh. But in distance running, all of the important moments happen when you're in extreme discomfort, when you're tired. When Jacob Fisher moved up from 12th to third in the last thousand meters of the state meet, he was really, really tired. You have to practice that. You have to practice being tired. You have to practice doing this when, when you're at the most uncomfortable instance. And I think, I think we've lost some of that over the last few years. I think we've tried to make, take some of the aspects from other sports or other parts of track and field and apply it to distance running and it's not working super well. What's different about Carmel? We start our workouts later. This is different from when you would have been in high school. This is more of a COVID uh, adaptation that's worked really well. So we'll go, in the, in the winter, we might start meeting like first of December and we'll do all easy volume, you know, build up our long run. They might run hard or they might not run hard. They might run twice on Saturdays, you know, starting in January or whatever, but we we'll do six, we'll do six to eight weeks of just running no workouts all December and January. We work out less frequently. Our best kid has a pretty good chance to, to, win an event this year at the state meet and he's probably going to run in the national championship in late june um i'm only going to let him run hard once a week in february he has yet to run hard but we run because we work out less frequently we can run a little bit more volume and because we work out less frequently we can run our workouts harder and we allow for for more participation i don't know that i'll get to that in this but i, I will certainly talk about it at the clinic how we use more participation to give the kids a better experience and we allow the kids to stay around a lot more. I'll definitely say that's one thing we did uh, with, with some of our 1600 guys when we got into the tournament um, at, at South was going to one harder workout a week and then the race. So you're really, you're only running those, those two days hard and they just, they were more fresh when it came to race time. So I, I think that helped a good amount. I think one of the adjustments that we made last year um, in track, and, and we had a very, you know, that was the best distance track season that, that we've ever had since I was at Carmel. Um, might there have been better teams in the past distance-wise? Uh, maybe, but it was it was one of the better ones in, in, in a long, long time. And yeah, we, we really limited them. Until May, we limited them to one workout. We don't have time to get into the nitty gritty of that on here. But um, basic sample progression would be that first month of the season, June or January, not running hard. We're just progressing our volume. July and February, that's when we start to run hard. Once a week, started a very low distance for the PPM and build that up over the course of July 
or in August or February and March. By the end of August or the end of March, we're starting to do our intervals. September and April are the regular season. That's when most of our kids are gonna get to run their most important races and, and set their new best times. And then in October and May, we're gonna do the race specific stuff. The stuff that we do to get ready for the, the state meet or the state tournament in cross country is different than the stuff that we're gonna to do to get ready for the track state meet. And I've kind of got that on here. And I, I, put, these, um, I put these slides up on, on uh, Indiana Runner too, if people wanna see those, that I have exactly what we did that, you know, to get ready for the, the state meet in cross country, Charlie Schumann did his high set of longer 533s, but to get ready for the state meet and track when he ran the 1600, he did a faster track workout. It wouldn't make sense to do the exact same thing before the state cross country meet and the state track meet. We, we need to meet the demands of that specific race. How, how would you incorporate um, like preseason or early season meets, especially during track into your training? Or, or how do you guys view those early season meets like the Indiana Runner Showcases or just any indoor meet? Yeah, I, you know, I'd certainly like them to run maybe once or twice in that. Um, and I would probably, you know, so now we started to run hard. We ran hard once this week. Next week, we'll run hard if, if we have that option. You know, if, if it's icy everywhere, we won't get to. Um, probably that week, you know, the Indiana runner meet is February 26th. So the last week of February, we'll probably run hard twice that week, probably do our PPM and do our long run and then do that. But because we're running hard twice, we probably cut our volume back a little bit. So if a guy's normally running 50 miles a week, that week we might run more like 45 because the time you're more, most vulnerable to getting hurt or sustaining an injury is the day after those hard workouts, a lot of impact on your legs when you're running hard, right? So that's the day we'd like to, to really cut back and maybe, um, you know, the next day after the meet, you might only just jog for like 20 minutes or some of our guys would cross train. Uh, the postseason, we allow any boy that wants to run. Uh, this would be different than when you were in high school. Um, there were boys that did it, uh, but it was kind of invite only at that point. We allow any kid that wants to run to stay so long as they agree. And you had younger brothers on the team that would have seen this, would have done this. Mm -hmm. As long I see as all of us that, in the picture down there, which you can't see on the podcast, but you could see on the PowerPoint. Yeah, audio medium. Um, to run, and we just more time to train. It doubles it doubles the amount of their season. And uh, how many kids do that? About two thirds. So if we have 150, about 50 of them at the end of that regular season, at the end of September, I'll say I'm I'm done, and uh, the hundred would 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 then keep going. Um, it's it has been surprising. We'll just run a track race. If it's good weather, we'll run a track race on a Friday and guys run their best times by a lot without any specific track training. I think there's a lot of lessons in that. Um, that again, we probably don't have time to get into now. Uh, exit meetings, I meet with every kid. I offer to meet with every kid on the team. There's 150 kids on the team usually, and I'll meet with them in, in SRT. And I, I've got some things that this year I actually went through and really prepared for the best kids, the seven or 10 best kids. Um, and, and took a, like a couple hours for each kid to really write up my thoughts. They put some excerpts from that in there. Um, 
this year, I think 80 kids came in out of like 120. Um, our numbers were a little, were your numbers down from COVID at all? Yeah. Yeah. So were ours. So we, we'd normally be 150. We're like 120 this year. Um, adjustments. The first four years that I was the head coach, we won twice and we finished second twice. Um, but I just kind of felt like we could be better. And I wanted to think about the specific things. How could we specifically target the state meet for performance and run better? And we made some changes after that, that I actually think I, I, I do a better job now than I did. I've done a better job over these last four years than I did over those first four years. A, a Senate could look at the results and say, well, now, wait a minute, you were finishing better at the state meet back then, um, which is true, but there weren't as many good, you know, this year there was just an incredible amount of good teams. And so the, the main adjustments that we made were to target our performance better. We know that the intervals make us race ready and we only do those, we only do the intervals, the CIs, the continuous intervals before the most important races. And we really trained through the other tournament meets. And so this year we weren't able to do it as much. It's harder to train through with younger kids, with kids doing less volume. But when we have mainly juniors and seniors, those guys will run, you know, our two best guys were able to do this. Those guys would run a hard all out effort of PPM the Thursday before the sectional, the regional, and the semi-state. Then we pull back to the state meet. And I've got specific slides about that. That would have been different when you were in high school. When you were in high school, we really didn't, we would train through in the sense that we weren't pulling back until the state meet, but we weren't going super hard on the Thursday before the regional or the semi-state. I was a lot more worried back then. And it was new. I was, I was more worried about running well for confidence issues than, than, I, than I am now. Yeah, there are definitely some races I remember training. Like County was an example because it was on a Tuesday. So we you yeah, know, did our whole long run, run Monday. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, when it got to the tournament, it was you know, back to the CIs. And so strangely enough, we've actually, we're kind of the opposite now. We don't train through the regular season meets quite as much, but we do train through the tournament more. So kind of building their confidence a little more during the regular season and, um, and then the tournament being all in. You're continuing to was, use the regular season as like progression. Mm -hmm. And then maybe those first few tournament meets yeah. train through those. And by doing that, we have really, really targeted the state meet and, and definitely run our best race the last four years at our best tournament race at the state. Meet. Yeah. And, and actually I would say backing up, cause like as an example, a, a team like Carmel, like you guys, you know, your top goal is the state meet. So that would be your a race. So, right you know, teams look at what your A race is and say, we yeah. train through four weeks back or three right, or exactly. whatever. whatever yeah. So if you're, is. if your big time race is the semi-state, you want to train through those other ones. Yeah. And then there's certain places that like, well, we would like to do it. We'd like to be at our best at the semi-state to make it through, but also we can't really train through the regional or else we may get, not get out you could count the, those actual number of schools in that situation on one hand, but yeah, COVID adjustments. We tried to provide more guidance. Um, you know, when you were in high school, we would have our off season stuff and I would give you basic guidance of like, Hey, you know, this week try to be 40 and then next week try to be 45 or, Hey, let's all add a mile onto our long run or 
um, let's match our PPM from the last week. Now we just set it all out from, from day one of, of what to do. And, and at the clinic, when, when people see these, they can just see the, um, they, or you can click on these slideshows and see like exactly what we, what we send the guys broken up by training level. And we've, we've gone to fewer PPM. So again, like when, when you were in high school or even five, six years ago, the first week we might run volume, just mileage, nothing hard, but then we get into our PPMs pretty quickly. I think we've, we've done a better job now of raising our volume up to about the highest level back, whatever our highest level was from the season before, so say 50 miles a week. Then once we've gotten there, now we're adding in the PPM. So we're not raising volume and we're never raising volume and intensity at the same time. And sometimes even we'll go back and do a whole week of just mileage and not do a PPM. If you do that, you lose some of the PPM. So they may not get to repeat some of these distances. They may go five, six, seven, seven, and then two or three eights, you know, for our, for our highest level athletes. Um, that has, our injury rate has never been super high. Like any team that's, that's consistently a contender, kids get hurt and it's, uh, Carmel kids weren't getting hurt. Carmel boys weren't getting hurt at a higher rate than kids at other schools. It's just that when a kid from Carmel gets hurt, it's obvious because you don't see them in the results. When Teddy Browning got hurt, it was obvious that there's kids from other schools, but this has cut down on our injury rate even, even farther, further. And a really increased emphasis on that earned progression and consistency. And then some of the stuff I'm currently contemplating, uh, there's just a lot of construction around school and our, our time schedule has changed. I heard the Monon's getting a, a makeover. Oh my gosh, it's it's insane. Anything you want to add to that in particular? Having been on the team and then having coached it in the middle school in Carmel and, and then outside? Yeah, um, I, I guess just, just preaching what most coaches or most training programs preach, which is the consistency of it um, and just re-emphasizing the, the earning the progression because um, you don't earn that progression without the consistency of, you know, doing what you can every day to make yourself better. Um, not necessarily running every day. Obviously you maybe have a cross training day or something, but um, just the right. consistency of doing what it says on the sheet. Well, and I think, like I said, the thesis here is find the right thing to do for your kids. And I, we posted this on the message board. I'll check and see if there are any other questions, but one person had said, so like, how individualized is it? You've got it broken up by the training levels, but like, what about your, your very, very top kids? And the answer would be, we've got those training levels and that's kind of set up for the majority of kids on the team. And those kids, they're big races. We want to get them ready to run their best in mid-September for Brown County or for uh, the Flash Rock meet or the Mick or, well, not the Mick anymore, um you know those meets that are their big meets but then the kids that are going to run for us in the tournament each one of them gets his own weekly schedule it's not necessarily that you have to be one of the best kids because there are kids you know like uh, one kid hurt himself at a trampoline or whatever and he's got on a progression and so I got what the doctor had said he was able to and I'll give him his own weekly schedule and I'll continue that for as long as as um 
he wants to do that. But the, the, the agreement is, okay, if I'm taking time, if I'm taking five, 10, 15 minutes to think just about you and putting it on here that you'll do, you know, you'll, you'll do what it says. And I, I think one of the things for us is that we don't work out all that often, but the reason we're afforded that ability is because we know that our best kids or a lot of our kids, we're meeting Monday through Thursday and then we suggest this is what to do Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that they'll do that. I think a lot of programs, if you meet for five days and you think they're probably not running on those other days at all, even if we ask them to, that's when, well, now we're here, we got to take advantage of it. We've got it, right? We've got to work out for the same reason that we did the PPM Tuesday. Well, we got to take, this is the day that we're able to do it. We've got to take advantage of that. Okay, I've got another one on the four by eight. And it's about distance runners on the four by eight. The majority of kids on, on the four by eight are going to be cross country runners. When you look through the kids last year on the, on the winning four by eight, three of them ran cross country. And the one that, that didn't run cross country was their best kid, but a generational talent. He was the best kid over 400 and, and over 800 meters in the state. Um, I don't know if he ran cross country this year. I didn't see him out. Um, second place team, all four kids ran cross country. Again, the main thing is you've got to find the right plan for the individual. And so in cross country, the odds of having a, 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 a high placing an all state level kid or a score on a state contending team that only runs 30 or 35 miles a week is really, really low. The odds of having a contending four bite where some of the kids only run 30 miles a week is pretty high. You can't make all of this kids do the same thing, even if they are distance runners. You've got to find a plan to fit the individual. And that is the heart of the Pavo system. Um, I think sometimes people get the wrong impression over 800 because one, at, at the elite level, division one, or, or any elite college athletes, um, professionals, those guys are, those guys and those, those women are more like sprinters, right? Those are, those are people that ran 47 seconds in the 400 in high school, but you're not going to find four of those types of kids on your high school team to put together a competitive four by the 400 meter state champion last year went to Carmel and he only ran the 800 once he ran like 202 and uh, we didn't run him in the four by eight. We wanted to keep him fresh for the open 400. He goes to Purdue. Again, this is the 400 meter state champion. He ran about 48 flat. As soon as he got to Purdue, you know what they told him? You're running the 800. 800. Yeah. Because there's just so many of those. Everybody kind of goes up one, one distance. And, um, but the shorter the race, the less volume you need to meet your potential. So, I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to run less and that's going to make me better for the 800, which isn't true at all. It's totally illogical. Now, if you were to run less and you could run faster because you ran less or you ran less and you did more workouts, then that makes sense. But just running less doesn't really serve much of a purpose. I think I've, I've, this would have been different from when you were in high school, you know, Colin McMahon would have been on the four bite and Michael mm -hmm. would have been on the four bite. I think back then I actually tried to do more of 
differentiating for the 800 runners. And this past year, it was more like, hey, we're going to train like distance runners. And then by the time we get to May, four, six weeks out from the state meet, then we'll um, pick the event that we're going to do and kind of do race specific workouts rather than starting race specific workouts or specializing in, you know, um, February or March or whatever. You know, at the end of the 800, and everybody's tying up the last 150, 200. And some people lose ground. Some people make up ground. This is the most important thing. The end of the 800 is not about speed. It's just not. And I think that um, the, a lot of my 800 stuff I got from, from Derek Leininger, who coached really, really good four by eights and four by fours at, at Snyder, where I went to high school. He wasn't my high school coach. He started after I graduated. And I remember going back from the state meet one year and we'd won the four bite that year and we scored pretty well on the four by four. And he said, you can tell your kids run volume because they just close well. They close well at the end of the 800. And it's still a primarily aerobic race, especially at the high school level. The longer you run, the more it's aerobic. So this would apply even more. I coach the boys, but this would apply even more to the girls. You guys, have you guys put together a four by eight? You've had so many good individuals over the last few years that they mainly run their individual event, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. We've we've had one. I think we had one year where we were able to do it eight flat without using any of our top guys, especially like in our area. That's that's kind of the route we we've gone is using our top guys for the individual events, and you know, not I don't want to say wasting, but having all of them do just the four by eight and see what happens. Right. Yeah, and I've kind of I got a slide here. We're going through the history of and over the last eight years, three of them, we haven't, we haven't used our, our loaded relay. Kind of go through some of the aerobic workouts. I, I think last year, a big key for us was, well, one of the keys was that we had a once in a generation talent that, that ran 151.9 on a split. That helps. Um, the other is that we, we did more aerobic stuff later on. Um, and we continued our long run all the way up to May weekly up until may and then um even then we were doing it kind of bi-weekly over the last two state meets the the time that it takes to finish on the podium has gotten a lot slower than it was even 15 or or almost 20 years ago um i have some theories on why that is but i'll say that at the clinic kind of go through some of the lactic workouts I would say about six weeks of those types of workouts because 16, 17 year olds, they, they can't take that kind of hard running for that long. They wear out. And we had, um, you know, it's a really good uh, lactic tolerance workout, a really good anaerobic workout. Yeah. Uh, running an all out 400. If you've got a dual meet, your kids should be running on the four by four. One, that's just something that you can't recreate in practice. One all out 400. Now, if it's, you know, varsity meet, you can't put all of your 800 runners in the four by four because you're going to want to put your sprinters on it too. 200s are too short. 400s are too long. 300s just about right because you can sprint for about 40 seconds. You've run the four by four, right, Josh? I've run it before. Yeah. So 
and you usually you'd run what 55 54 55 56 seconds right yeah my i think my best was 58 so don't give me too much credit okay well you didn't run it enough <laughs> yeah. um but you know it really starts to hurt as you're making that last turn that for the boys means you've been sprinting for 40 seconds anything above 40 seconds you really get into the lactic acid and so 300s you know you're going to run those a boy is going to run those in about 44 to 46 seconds it's four to six seconds of lactic acid you do the 400 that's a lot and so it's just it's really hard to run much at your 800 pace talk about some of the things that might do in workouts um it, the four bike could be interesting because you might have a kid that that is very fast that only runs 35 miles a week. Well, you might have a, you might have a, four, a 400 guy, a sprinter that runs no miles a week. Right. Um, but you're not going to have those very often when you were in high school too, how many of those 400 guys do we try? Right. Right. On the four by eight. And it just, it, not for lack of effort on their part. It just, it just didn't work. Um, but you might want to think about having a kid that runs less volume running less of the workout and sitting parts out or running less. And I'll talk about that at my thing. The other thing that we really like to do is um, run the same workout three weeks apart. We talked about this kind of with the PPM, right? Okay. Well, here's what we, three weeks ago, we did six 300s and we did four minute goes, meaning you got about three minutes and 15 seconds rest. Okay. Well, three weeks later, we'll do five 300s and we'll wear our spikes and we'll take more rest. We were human beings like progress. They like tangible things. And you could say, well, last time we did that, you ran all your 300s in 45 seconds. And today you ran them all in 43 seconds. And our kids are smart. High school kids in general are, are smart enough to realize that like, well, yeah, but part of the reason was, but there's also like the emotional, hey, that's faster. That's a faster time. And, and my coach is emphasizing that. We had a time when some of the boys, um, this was a few years ago, that they didn't really want to do what, what we were doing. And I allowed, an, I told another coach to coach the 800 runners that year. Um, it didn't work out very well. One of the reasons why was they went to a private coach and they ran in December and January and they were running workouts. And Derek Leininger, who knows a lot of stuff, basically told me, well, we can get race ready really quick. We just can't hold it very so the, the reason why we wait until late April and May to do those types of workouts is because we know that we're good for about four to six weeks. Um, we could get into that kind of shape pretty close to it for an indoor season, but we don't do that because we can't handle it that long. And the outdoor season is, is, prior, um, is our priority. And so what I learned from that is that, you know, great workouts is not as good as great planning. And the idea of there's a lot of, oh, he's, an, he's, he's really fast. He's good at the 800. Well, you know who's good at the 800 tends to be or good distance runners. So Isaiah Sturry won the state championship last year and then ran 152 in the track season. And, and Cole was third at the state meet last year and split 152. And Reese Kilbarger-Stumpf, who won this year, ran 152 last year. Good distance runners are, are good at the 800. This is, this is a great theory. And one thing that I was kind of getting at asking you about like how you train or how you view like the indoor 
the indoor early indoor meets because you're not going to go as all in for HSR um, the HSR finals as you might for like regionals in the state meet. Right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll just, we'll stay on our normal progression. And so if like for the HSR meet, we'd like to at least get to some of our intervals, but not necessarily like 800 race pace intervals. We'll probably, maybe we can do our CIs before, um, before the HSR finals and the guys would run, you know, so we qualify, we haven't done any intervals and let's say we qualify and, and a guy runs 203 and then we do some intervals and maybe at the finals he runs 201 or 202, right? Ultimately, what I found out from this, and, and the next year I started coaching the 800 again, but the next year actually was the COVID year. Um, but then we went, we kind of snapped back and, and, and told the guys, you know, last year, part of our strategy was we've got, a, we've got a, a really good young kid that could score in his individual event. And then hopefully we can score in the four by eight. Um, and that those would be key points that we need from the distance runners to try and contend for the overall team title. Um, so I told the guys last year, like, Hey, we're, we are going to be distance runners and we're going to prepare to run every distance. And then once we get to May, then we'll figure out what events we're going to do. And, um, but one of the things I found out from this was that, yes, it is about, we've got to find the right plan for each individual and we're really running short on time here, but, um, I go through this at, at, and I'll go through this at the, at the clinic in my presentation of, okay, here were the six candidates that we had for the four by eight and here were the things that I knew about them going into it and they were all a little different from each other based on age um their their distance running success you know their best time in cross country which varied by like three minutes between some of these kids I want to find the right plan for each of them but at the same time ultimately I'm the coach and I'm going to make the decisions on on what we're doing and how we periodize the training and what we prioritize and you know it gotten to the point that too many of the kids were like, we want to do some of this other stuff. And I, I said, that's, that's fine. Ultimately, I felt like it was in their best interest then that they didn't want to do my stuff. And I, someone else coached the 800 for, for one year. Same thing. We're going to use the same kind of periodization for that, but it's, it's not until late April or early May that we're getting into that 800 race pace type stuff. We might do four or five of those types of workouts got to find the right plan to fit the individual and i'm just kind of clicking through here these were we kind of had six candidates for it um spring break when's your guys spring break it's it's on the early we always have it before hsr i want to say it's like a week or two before does your guys line up with iu yes because you, yeah. you teach in bloomington you coach in bloomington so yeah. ours is really late and Ours is the week before the Franklin Central Showcase meet. And I actually think, not that our guys like can't go there and can't break five minutes, but I think that typically we have underperformed what we're capable of at that meet because we don't have practice for almost two weeks. Then we come back, we have four days of practice, and then there's this huge, highly competitive meet. Um, and we're there, I, you know, I think our best kid last year was like sixth or something. Um, and I think part of it was just, tons of travel, tons of time away, but you got to suggest stuff to the kids. It's easy for them to do. So I think when you were in high school, we might be like, Hey, pick one day and like simulate your PPM. You know, if your PPM is normally six miles and it takes you about 35 minutes, try to run hard for 35 minutes. We even stopped doing that. 
So all we do is tell them, try to run your mileage goal. If your training level is 45, try to hit that. Do your long run once, whatever. But I just, from Monday to Sunday, I want you to run 45 miles. We've had a lot more success and that's easy to do. Get up every day, go run. I'll even give you a, a one that you, if you follow this exactly, that you'll be able to hit it. Um, and then, yeah, it takes, it might take a week for them to kind of get back, but that's, that's a lot, a lot better. Cause if they, if we suggest, okay, do these workouts and then they're not doing the workouts, um, it's a lot easier to just say, hit your mileage. And that, you know, the, it's not until about the last four to six weeks that we start doing 800 race pace type stuff. I like how you count down the weeks. State yes. week, state yes. week so is week zero. Week zero is the state meet. So week one would be the regional, which is one week away from the state meet. Um, relay order, I don't know if we want to spend too much time on this, but don't say don't save your best kid to the end. If you think there's a chance you might fall out of it. Don't it's okay to not run your fastest guy at the anchor. Your, your shakier kids will run better up front, but if you get buried, you can really, really be in trouble. This is a big Ken Browner thing. We almost always run our best guy first on the four by four. I'd rather just be up out front. You don't have to swing out wide. You don't have to um, lose ground doing that. You don't have to get caught up in it. Just I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying we would run Cole Matisse first. You got to put them in a good position, uh, but do not be afraid to run your your better kids earlier. It, it's it's better than getting buried. Once you get buried, especially in the four by eight, it's it's tough to get back in it. And I think it's okay to not have a set. I'm going to go second fastest, third fastest, first fastest, fourth. Like you, right. the group of kids you have could determine um, what you do. I mean, I remember a few years ago we just had somebody. It was, they were very good leading off. It, it was difficult for them to be somewhere in the middle. So we just said, all right, you're going to lead off. And it worked really well for, for that relay group. I, I would more often than not, I would run your shakiest kid first. You're one with your kid with the least amount of experience. I'd put him or her first. Cause then they can kind of just get in there, hang out the least amount of pressure yeah, and then and then once it starts to spread out, I'd, I'd run your more experience. The first leg feels probably the most similar to an open eight. Right, right, which they would have had probably more experience doing. I'm not anti-sprinter on the four bite. Sprinter being a kid whose primary event was the 400, and you're you're moving him or her up to run in the 800. In my experience, it's a lot, it's a lot harder in reality than it is in theory. You get a boy that can run 52 seconds and everybody's like, 60 is going to feel like jogging. So he can easily do two sixties. It's like, eh, yeah, that's, it's, that's Easier better said than done. If, and, and, and we're trying it this year, we've got a kid that's a really good 400 runner. We talked to him kind of at the beginning of this school year about, it. he didn't run cross country place tennis. Um, but he ran on our, our four by four last year at the state meet. He, he qualified in the open 400. And he's really into the idea. So we are taking him to run with our distance runners to get some aerobic work. You know, Charlie Schumann and Connor Hagee run, they're kind of, they'll run 60 minutes as their easy run. Well, he's not going to run 60 minutes, but he can do 20 minutes with them. Um, and we're going to try to build up one long run, weekly long run that we'll probably do up until about 
spring break. I, I'd say 40 minutes. Is, if you get a kid to do 40 minutes, then on top of that, he'll do the, the sprint workouts with the 400 runners. Um, and I don't know, maybe he won't be one of our four best. Maybe we won't run our, our four best at the state meet on the, on the four best. We probably won't actually. Um, and, and you may occasionally want to do a more aerobic type workout. You don't need a ton of that. It's the 800, right? It's not cross country. They're, they're sp the speed of those kids, their, their anaerobic abilities will carry them through in the 800, but you, there is an aerobic component to it. All right, my last one, I said 30 to 40 minutes. I think we're about an hour now. I'll, I'll fly through this one, but I, I really wanted to put some of this out there because I know some people are gonna miss the clinic. Some people may be getting to listen to this or even just go through the slideshows that I put up there. Maybe they're a little more engaged and they kind of know what they're listening for or have can, can formulate some of those questions and not everybody goes to the clinic. And on top of that, not everyone's a coach that may be interested in this. So I'm putting this up there. 3,200, consider this an ad for our meet. You went last year. You loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great to have it too. I feel like on the, the next week after the Miracle Mile Flash Showcase meet, uh, just to have like one meet all mile, the next meet all 3,200s. It was a, it was a great meet for sure for all of so, our runners too. Nobody wants to run the 3,200 on a track team, right? It's got to be the least popular of that. Yeah. yeah. So nobody wants to do it with some exceptions. I mean, that's been our number one event at the state meet over the last 10 years at the school where I teach. Nobody wants to do it. But at the same time, here's the paradox. Nobody wants to run the 3200, but most distance runners say they like cross country more than track. And cross country is You're longer right. than 3200. So why is that? Because the 3,200 at most meets isn't competitive. You have a dual meet, the 3,200, it's got like three boys and four girls in it that shoot the gun off. It's totally uh, spread out by the end of the second lap. Distance runners thrive on competition. What we need to do is have a meet where we're all agreeing that we're going to run the 3,200. And so we do that Carmel Showcase Friday, April 22nd. Email me and you can get in. Um, last year's meet, had three boys under nine minutes and six girls under 1040. 52 boys ran under 10 minutes. One ran 10 flat point oh three. Goes to Carmel. Uh, 51 girls ran under 12 minutes. It's pretty good. It's a big group. Um, the main thing about the 3200 is 10 minutes is a good barrier for anything over 10 minutes is basically entirely aerobic. Anything under 10 minutes, the, the more under 10 minutes, the more it's anaerobic. So there's a huge anaerobic component to the 800, even though it's, it's a distance race at the high school level. Um, converting the intervals, we'll get into that. But the higher the volume that, that your kids can run, the more impact that intervals are going to have on their performance in a distance race, cross country and the 3200. If they're doing lower volume, do more threshold work, do less intervals. That's going to help out. And we do that with our kids. So, you know, if it's, if their big race is the 3,200 before the 3,200 showcase, all of our freshmen did like a threshold run, their PPM on them as their main workout of that week. Our boys that had gotten to the higher volumes, seven mile, eight mile PPM, boys that were, you know, 50 to 60 miles a week, they did their CIs as their, as their uh, main workout of that week with the 3,200. The most important moments 
and distance running happen when you're tired. Your training, your, your individual practice sessions, and your overall periodization of training need to reflect that. You need to know how to run hard when you're tired. You need to be able to push when you're uncomfortable. I have a top 10 list of our um, boys in the modern Pavo era. So over the last 10. I was going to ask you what MPE was. Modern Pavo era. Uh, so we've had 10 boys run under 925 um, since, since 2014, since 2012, but really since 2014. And I've got our state meet qualifiers and our what I call common casualties. The key to the 3200 is aerobic development. Duh. And patience. So the Indiana runner showcases 14 weeks before the state meet. That's like, if we were going to compare the state meet and cross country to that, it would be like mid-July, maybe even moratorium. I mean, it's, it's just forever before that. The HSR finals, when you'd like to go there and run well, get to some intervals and be ready to run a really good race in a competitive environment, that's 10 weeks before the state meet. That's like those Basically kinda, like the first week of the season. I mean, that's like those preseason 4Ks or hokums or whatever. That's how long that span is between yeah. there. Even our showcase meet over 3,200 is six weeks before. So you've, you've got to be, you've got to be patient and you don't certainly don't want to be cutting back too early. Jacob Fisher last year was third at the state meet in the 3,200. Do you know what he finished at the Carmel showcase in the 3,200? Um, like 16th, 17th. I think, I think it was, I think he was 18th. I'm not positive, okay. but yeah, he was, he was in the, I think he beat like four or five kids in that race. Now, part of that is some of those guys that ran the 1600, right. Yes. Um, for the same thing at the, at the Franklin central one, not all of those kids that run that every, every good kid in the state runs the 1600 one week and the 3200 the next week. Um, well, not every kid, if you didn't go last year, come this year. And there is an anaerobic component to it. We've had 10 boys finish in the top 10 at the state meet in the 3,200 over the last 10 years. Nine of those 10 boys ran a negative split. And a lot of them closed in like 63, 64 seconds. There's a certain anaerobic component. What we tend to do, our, our boys might only, the ones that are going to run in the tournament might only run the 3,200 once all season before the tournament. And it would just be at our showcase meet. We're going to want to use our, we have way more practices than meets. We want to use our practices for the aerobic work, the, the, which is the main component to it. And then we actually use the, the meets and those guys run the 800 to the 400 a lot. I think Jacob Fisher last year ran the 400, ran the 400 three times and the 800 four times before the tournament started. Same thing, we're going to use the same basic periodization. And then again, we're running really long on time. Um, but I've got, we had two boys last year score in the 3200. One of them is potentially a generational talent that, as long as I don't do something crazy as the coach, he's probably going to be in a pretty good position to be really good. But our other guy ran, didn't run under 17 minutes as a, as a freshman in cross country. Uh, he, he ran 9.59, I think, as a sophomore in track. And then his ju junior year got canceled. Um, but that, there's a lot more guys like this. And I just think it would, it would make sense um, 
it would be more meaningful, more beneficial for the coaches to see exactly what he did in his senior year and how he built up. The 3,200 is the last event of a meet, right? Yes. Second to last, but no one's going to run the 3,200 in the four by four. So if, if you're a distance runner, the 3,200 is, is the last race that you could be running. And oftentimes you're going to have to run two events in a, in a meet. I would say you want to train for the longer event. So we had a, we had a boy last year ran on the four by eight and sc scored in that and scored in the 3,200. He, his training was geared for the 3,200. So train for the longer event, unless the shorter event is way more important. If you think you could make it to the four by eight, make it to the state meet or score in the state meet in the four by eight, and you're just doing the 3,200 later, you know, for fun or to have a second event, then you probably want to train that, that, kid for the four by eight because it just feels like there's a lot more carryover from the longer distances so it, you know our cole ran 151.9 at the regional and 153 low at the state meet and he didn't do much 800 training he did that based off of his because he's a really good distance runner. he did that based off of his uh training you know for for the distance races um if we had trained him specifically for the four by eight, maybe he could have run another second or half second faster, but he certainly wasn't going to run 901 in the 3200. Tripling. Do not triple your distance runners. Don't can, you, can, you, can you put them in a four by four? Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're like four by eight, 800, four by four. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. Yeah. But in terms of distance races, 800, 1,600, 3,200. I know this is an ivory tower situation and there's got to be people that are listening or will be at the clinic and they're going to say like, well, we don't have 150 boys on our team. So if we've got a good one, we're going to need her in a lot of races. Like, is there maybe one specific meet that you're trying to win and you're looking to, to maximize your points, the conference meet, the sectional, something like that? once a season but if you you're doing you're doing that kid a disservice by making him or her run three distance races every single meet yes that just that's going to wear on you over the course of the yeah. season it, it it all depends on what your goals are as a team or for that individual but yes li limiting tripling i would say is a good idea right because if if your goal is is to help this individual to progress through the tournament especially to make the state meet and i think some some people might say well he's just going to run it enough to win right so just get the points he's just going to run enough to win i don't think that's a great idea either to at the end of the meet it's your third or your fourth race your fourth distance race and you run 10 10 at the state meet you're going to need to run 9 20 to win there's some muscle memory that you're kind of messing up by running by running 10 10 just a theory just a theory yep well thanks for coming on man anything you want to add you're kind of uh, the blank canvas for me to project this upon for sure no it, it's good it was good going through uh just going through the training again it's always in my mind and i even had to bring out the uh the old training logs see what i was up to I was, hey, I was close to making that, uh, 
best six mile ppm list i think i was like 10 seconds off so that's good oh were you so what was your best six uh like 524 for six I had it right here 522 i think it was okay so yeah you one. just missed it because yeah. there's a 520 on there yeah yeah it was the one we did after after state before nxr i think but so well we're well over an hour but one of the things i've i've thought about and it's not it's not meaningful really but the new shoes some of our kids had these new shoes and so you know yesterday we did our first ppm uh cole's running in a in a meet this weekend and i told him Cole is the best kid at, at Carmel. And I was like, hey, in February, like, we need to think about our training. We need to make sure we're not over doing anything because we want you to really be running well in June. One, you can run hard once, uh, once a week in February. So he said he was going to go to this meet. And I, I thought that was a good idea. Um, it, it'll be a really competitive meet. So he didn't, didn't do his PPM. Charlie, our second best kid, he was seventh at the state meet, Charlie Schumann. He ran 509 for five. And you were in, you were in high school with Ben Beef, but Ben wasn't great in practice really until about second semester of his senior year. Um, ben never even got close to a time like that until the second semester of his senior year, which is where Charlie is. But these new shoes that some of these guys have, I just, yeah, it's, it's, those times are 509 pace in 2022 is a lot slower than 509 pace. Yeah. Slower maybe isn't the right word. It's a lot less impressive than, than what it would have been early, early on, yeah. right? Because the, shoe, the shoes have changed. And we're seeing this with race. We're seeing this with the new yeah. spikes. It, it reminds me of the, uh, the, was it the Jesse Owens commercial? Or, or he, some video he did where he, put on or i'm sorry usain bolt or gallon or one, one of those guys put on the sort of spikes that jesse owens would have used and ran on a track that jesse owens would have run on just to see how hard it was to yeah. run the times that he ran yeah so it's 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 going to be hard as technology and shoe technology improves for all our practice times or our, our workout records or whatever it's going to be hard to compare those that uh, like five of our, and I don't know how many of these boys, the freshman boys have those special shoes. It, it may be none of them, but five of our 10 best freshman PPMs are currently freshmen. So I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought that was interesting. Well, Hey, good, good luck at the clinic. Yeah. Hey, everybody should come and, and see me present the, I, the amount of time that I've spent on these is actually kind of embarrassing. I've worked really <laughs> hard on these. So I'm, I'm excited to present. And I know that uh, the weather will probably have a little bit, a little bit to do with, with the, the turnout and stuff like that. But so uh, if you're, yeah, if you're listening to this, make sure you're following along maybe on the, the PowerPoints that are on Indiana runner. Yep. Or this Zoom. A little bit. But, but it, it'll, you know, it'll be a lot, it'll be a lot more in depth and I'll, I'll be there to answer your questions and, and talk between sessions and, and things like that. So, all right. Hey, shout out. Shout out.